section twenty five of fancies versus fads this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org fancies versus fads by g k chesterton much to modern history all wise men will agree that history ought to be taught more fully in the form of world history in that respect at least mr wells gave us an excellent working model england is meaningless without europe more meaningless than england without empire but those who would broaden history with human brotherhood too often suffer from a limitation not absent even from mr wells they exchange the narrowness of a nation for the narrowness of a theory or even a fad they think they have a world-wide philosophy because they extend their own narrowness to the whole world a distinguished professor who is a member of the league of nations union has been telling an interviewer what he thinks history books should teach and it seems to me that according to his views if correctly reported the new histories would be rather more prejudiced and limited than the old he begins with a small but singular error which itself shows some lack of the imagination that can see two sides of a question he says textbooks of history should aim at truth it should not be possible for one version of the american war of independence to be taught in american schools and another in english schools now in point of fact the same version of that story is taught both in english and american schools it is the other version a very tenable one that is not allowed to be taught anywhere no american historian however american could be more positive that george the third was wrong and george washington right than all the english historians are what would show real independence of mind would be to state the case for george the third and there was a very real case for george the third i will not go into it here but every honest historical student will agree with me perhaps the fairest way of putting it is this that it was not really a case of a government resolved on tyranny but of a nation resolved on independence but if we sympathize with national independence surely there is something to be said for intellectual independence and the professor is far from being really sympathetic with intellectual independence he is so far from it that he wants both sides forced to tell the same story apparently whether they like it or not as a fact they do agree but apparently in any case the professor would coerce them into agreement and his extraordinary reason for this course is that history should aim at truth but suppose i do aim at truth and sincerely come to the conclusion that north was a patriot and burke a sophist how would the professor prevent it being possible for me to teach what i think is true the truth is that it has never occurred to these progressive professors that there could be any view of any question except their own or what they call their own for it is only a tradition they have been taught a tradition as narrow as north's and now nearly as old but the professor goes on to say something much more interesting and curious after saying very truly that the past the plantagenet period for instance should not be made a mere matter of kings and battles he goes on to say 
what we want to see is the textbook of history and the teaching of it brought more closely into touch with the realities of the modern world the world of the division of labor between different countries of the application of science to industry of the shortening of the spaces of the earth by improvements in transport and with all that these realities imply now it seems to me obvious that what we want is exactly the opposite a child can see these realities of the modern world whether he is taught any history or not he will see them whether you want him to or not as he grows up he will learn by experience all about the improvements in transport its acceleration of zeppelins and its interruption by submarines he will realize for himself that the modern world is the world of the division of labor between nations for he will know that england has been turned into an isolated workshop with hardly food enough for a fortnight with a potential alternative of surrender or starvation or eating nails he will by the light of nature know all about the application of science to industry in war by chemical analysis of poison gas in peace by bright little pamphlets about fossy jaw he will know all that these realities imply about which also there is very much that might be said but even if we consider only the somewhat cheerier products of the division of labor and the application of science to industry there is quite as little need laboriously to instruct the infant in what he can see for himself a child has a very pure and poetical love of machinery a love in which there is nothing in the least evil or materialistic but it is hardly necessary to devote years to proving to him that motor cars have been invented as he can see them going by in the street it is not necessary to read up in the british museum the details with which to demonstrate that there are really such things as tube stations or motor bicycles the child can see these things everywhere and the real danger obviously is that he should think they had existed always the danger is that he should know nothing of humanity except as it is under these special and sometimes cramping conditions of scientific industry and the division of labor it is that he should be unable to imagine any civilization without tube stations whatever its substitutes in the way of temples or trophies of war it is that he should see man as a sort of sightless centaur inseparable from his motor-bike in short the whole danger of historical ignorance is that he may be as limited to his local circumstances as a savage on an island or a provincial in a decayed town or a historical professor in the league of nations union the whole object of history is to enlarge experience by imagination and this sort of history would enlarge neither imagination nor experience the whole object of history is to make us realize that humanity could be great and glorious under conditions quite different and even contrary to our own it is to teach us that men could achieve most profitable labor without our own division of labor it is to teach us that men could be industrious without being industrial it is to make us understand that there might be a world in which there was far less improvement in the transport for visiting various places 
and there might still be a very great improvement in the places visited the professor is perfectly right in saying that a history of the plantagenet period ought not merely to record the succession of kings and battles but what ought it to record is it to record only the absence of motors and electric lights should we say nothing of the plantagenet period except that it did not have motor bikes i venture to suggest that we might record the presence of some things which the whole people had then and have not got now such as the guilds the great popular universities the use of the common lands the fraternity of the common creed i fear the professor will not follow me into matters so disturbing to his perfect picture of progress but in conclusion there is one little question i should like to ask him and it is this if you cannot see man divine and democratic under the disguises of all the centuries why on earth should you suppose you will be able to see him under the disguises of all the nations and tribes if the dark ages must be as dark as they look why are the black men not so black as they are painted if i may feel supercilious towards a chaldean why not towards a chinaman if i may despise a roman for not having a steam plough why not a russian for not wanting a steam plough if scientific industry is the supreme historical test it divides us as much from backward peoples as from bygone peoples it divides even europe peoples from each other and if that be the test why bother to join the league of nations union End of section twenty five